Listener-supported KFUO invites you to listen live to our annual share It's your opportunity to show your support to KFUO. If you can't join us live, please prayerfully consider supporting us by calling 314-996-1518 and asking about our giving levels. You can also click the Give Now button on our webpage. Share 2017, April 20th, 21st, and 22nd. campus of LCMSU, everyone. I am your host, the Chancellor. And I am a motivational speaker. Pastor. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Marcus Zill. Joined here today in the studio with Pastor Seth Miro, all the way over in Indianapolis, Indiana. How are you doing today, Seth? Hey, doing great, Marcus. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's it's absolutely fantabulous to have you join us here today in the student union. It's that time of the year. We're getting close to Holy Week here, and spring breaks are over. March Madness too. Uh, how did the Butler Bulldogs do this time around? Our March Madness is over too. Oh. You know, we uh, ended up making the Sweet Sixteen, but. Not going to be a, a repeat to the Final Four for a little while yet, it looks like. A lot of your students kind of bummed about that, I suppose. Uh, Butler University, they, uh, they've they been pretty good for quite a while now, haven't they? Yeah, they are some who are bummed out. They went down to Memphis hoping to be a win, but it's hard to repeat that when your head coach goes to the Celtics after making it to the Big Ten. No, absolutely, and he's doing pretty good with Boston, too. So, Pastor, uh, tell, us, uh, tell us about your church. How long have you been there? And let's set the context here a little bit. Sure. Uh July will be nine years that I've been here at St. Peter's in Indianapolis. Wow, um, we're, get, we're getting old, aren't we? Some of us are. <laughs> some of us are well past old since I'm 50. Anyways, uh, so uh, you've no, been there nine I, uh, years. Nine years, came out, first call out of Fort Wayne, and uh, an inner city congregation, you know, so it's got its urban ministry struggles. Um, sure. But about a, about a month or two after I arrived, I had a butler freshman who's a pastor's kid show up on the doorstep and attending church and said, hey, I play the organ in case you need me any Sunday. Wow, music to your ears, right? Literally. Beautiful, you know. <laughs> Organists are hard to find, hard to come by, and to have a have a young man who was willing to do that and started uh, bringing students from Butler to attend, and, you know, one thing leads to another, and he and I were just meeting on campus, and, you know, good, good practice whenever you're on campus, wear your collar, right? Sure. You know? Those were back in the days when I was young enough to look like a student still. So I Yeah, you probably my, can't quite pass it off now, but uh, Not not anymore. No. Now they think I'm a, you know, they ask me, "Oh, are you a father of a freshman?" Yes. Oh, man, that's no thank you. Yes. But, <laughs> but uh no, so he uh Micah, good good kid, he ends up he's now a uh, full-time church musician down in Texas. Excellent. So, but he helped kind of kickstart things and then by the time he graduated, um which was three years ago, we had we had a whole group of students there, and we actually got an official start. So we, we formed 
an LCMSU chapter at Butler, had to go through the whole rigmarole of the student government and things and signing a constitution and bylaws and whatnot. And now, real quick, just to back up and give equal time, now there's another school there uh, in addition to yeah. Butler, although you're probably closer to Butler, but what's the other one? Uh, IUPUI is the other one. Or as a... As a some have said "Ui Pui," right? Indiana. Ui Pui. Yeah. Let me get to see if yeah. I can get this right. Indiana University, Dash Purdue University at Indianapolis. That's right. That's right. Because so it's, because uh, the Boilermakers and the Hoosiers love each other so <laughs> much, they yeah, join forces just together. So uh, affectionate. It's just a wonderful relationship. Yeah. So, but uh, IUPUI sounds probably a little less lame than "Ui Pui." Right. Right. But these are they, completely they're, they're, different they're schools, own, right? They're their own school too. They they're they're known as the Jaguars. Oh, okay. Um, and so you actually graduate with one or the other diploma, not not a combination. Oh, thing. so they are they are. There's a separation of Boilermakers and Hoosiers, uh-huh. even though they're on the uh-huh. same campus. Okay. Yep. Yep. And that's you know, that's. So yeah, a, I've been on campus there once. That is a. I mean, there's thirty thousand students there, but Butler's more of the small slightly highbrow private type school with probably a religious background but it doesn't matter as much anymore right yeah that's right that's that's about like all you know old time uh colleges east coast west coast but iupui is uh 30,000 students and it's basically it's com- these two schools couldn't be probably more opposite right in a lot of ways that's very true um Although IUPUI is thirty thousand plus now, and they have a, they're building dorms. They want to be, become residential, and uh, I mean they're they're basically a university under themselves. They're kind of losing that commuter school character. So, well, and you know, I but remember yeah. if you remember up at uh, IPFW, which is the same kind of campus, but up uh-huh. in Fort Wayne, and they went and beat the Hoosiers this year, if I recall <laughs> right. I c- they did. I couldn't believe that. I could not believe that. But it just goes but, to uh, show you how these schools. Uh, you know, they're not just for uh, commuting students anymore. They're trying to, uh, to catch up with the big boys. But so anyway, so here you are, kind of an urban urban context, maybe an older church. Students start mm-hmm. showing up. And, uh, and it's, it's great to hear that some of the initiative happened because you had a, had some, had a student or two show up. That's wonderful to hear. Yeah, we like that. I mean, it's grassroots, right? That's what everybody wants to try to do. Well, you know, you know? people always ask me, so... Um, what is, how can you boil down to campus ministry in like, like one or two sentences? I'm like, well, okay. Um, they always expect something, um, something just absolutely, you know, outrageously brilliant. And it's like, well, it's the ministry uh, applying to college students. (laughs) And uh, so God presented you with some students and uh, you started taking in an interest. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, Marcus, anybody asking anything absolutely brilliant from you on the spot is probably a little bit... Uh, you know, that is true. Right? That is that is but quite true. You're absolutely right, though. It is, yeah. it is simply word and sacrament uh, with the students applied to the students. I mean, it's, it's a mission field unto itself. Oh, absolutely. And so you realize, yeah. hey, there's some more that we could do here st- as opposed to just wait around for them to show up. Um, yes. Maybe we have some opportunities to get on camp. So how did you, going back a couple years here, how did you go about the process of getting on campus and what kind of things did you find available to yourself? Then I want to get right. to one of the, the, we've talked about this on the show before, but you had kind of a unique roadblock that you ran into. But set the stage for 
how things went when you started getting on campus and then lead us to the to the roadblock that you kind of ran into a little bit. Yeah, 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 sure. Um, well, firstly, at, at IUPUI, it was simple. It's a, it's a state school, and so it's a public campus. I can come on campus. It's no big deal. Um, you know, in fact, the Roman Catholic priest and I often walk around together talking to students. Um, but at Butler, it's it's totally different because it's a it's a private school. No, wait. You, let me, I'm, so, I, I'm trying to trying to die. You actually walk around with him. Yeah, we occasionally will be eating lunch together, and then our students and his students will come over, and we converse about uh, things like marriage and pro life, and then we kind of break off, and they go to mass, and we have our study, and yeah. That is absolutely yeah, that's 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 beautiful. I have not. You know, of, we're we're doing we're doing ecumenism here, Marcus. There, there you go. Now I have heard of. I know at the University of Colorado, um, they used to do arguing with heretics, and the Catholics and the Lutherans <laughs> used to meet together at a bar uh, for those ah, that were of yeah, age, yeah. and and they would advertise it as arguing with heretics to the Roman Catholic students. And then uh-huh. our Lutheran students would ar- would advertise it as arguing with heretics uh, to the Lutheran <laughs> side, and they both got together to argue it. I mean, it was they, they actually with got each along. other, yeah. Yeah, then they w- yeah. they actually would sit down and and look at th- through some of their primary documents. Uh, oh uh, yeah, the Augsburg yeah. Confession and the Confutation. I I wouldn't argue that that's the best way to start a campus ministry, but what's interesting is that you have a really good relationship with with them, yeah. and you obviously don't view each other as a threat. No, in fact, we've we have come together on campus. Um, the the IUPUI Jags have this student justice warrior open mic thing, like every month. Oh, interesting! And they want to talk about controversial topics and stir the pot a little bit and get people yelling and stuff. And it was great because they talked about uh, abortion just about last month or month ago, just after the break. And uh, one of my students gets up and he's he's nervous and he's thinking, "What am I going to get into here?" And he starts giving some some statistics, excuse me, and, uh, you know, in addressing the crowd. And this this whole group of people in front of them are just nodding along. Yeah, yeah, and they're loving it. And then, you know, not not less than a minute later, Father Rick Nagel, the Roman Catholic priest, comes, walks over, sits down with them. It's the Roman Catholic student group. They oh. loved it. They were cheering them on, oh. you know. And so far from having a, a public, you know, dissension that everybody's yelling and screaming, you had about 30 Roman Catholics and Lutherans there just talking to each other and everyone else just listening. You know, so. I didn't get you on the program to talk about that, but this this, this, no, this thing. But, about- oh, this is absolutely <laughs> awesome. I mean, there are, you know, sometimes people don't consider that we have a lot, you know, there's a lot of things that we won't do uh, with other student groups on campus and that we shouldn't do. We shouldn't mm-hmm. be having all these joint worship surfaces, services and and being ecumenical in that way. But there are places, students for life groups, the life issues, we have an awful lot in, in common with the Roman Catholics. Putting yeah, on right. things, I'm always arguing for, you know, we want debate. We want, you know, we want to take opportunities when you have open mic type stuff like that um, to say, you know what, that we've got, we've got some things to address too. And we have to not act like we have nothing in common with some of these other groups, either apologetics yeah. issues, um, some yeah. some schools have these ratio uh, Christie groups that deal with apologetics. Then you have the Veritas forums, um, mm-hmm. the intersection of uh, church and state type of issues, and where academics uh, kind of intersects with Christianity. And so that is that is an awesome story. Thank you for yeah. sharing that. That's yeah. great. So um, that's yeah, over no. at, at Uipui or IUPUI. Yep. Um, 
But going over to Butler, um, how did that go at first? Yeah, that uh, that wasn't received as well. Um, ironically, we we first got uh, a toe in the door to be officially on campus through um, an Episcopalian priest who also serves the ELCA synod uh, at the students at Butler. Now, to, to just to just set the stage at, at most for a lot of our listeners that maybe don't know how this works. Uh, to be on campus at a state school versus a private school might be two totally different things. It might have a different sets of standards at most state oh, schools. Yeah. You know, you have to have, I mean, you can always walk on campus, but you have to, to be a student organization, you have to, you know, uh, you don't have a chaplain per se. But at Butler, did they kind of have that kind of a setup where they had somebody that they give, or a group that they give those responsibilities for religious folks that are on campus? Well, they have a, a spiritual life house which kind of is an umbrella organization for all these various religious and they have the secular student alliance you know non-religious groups there okay um but but for us um they had to the 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 irony is is they had to have a student group formed in order to book space for for study or for you know us meeting together okay um and so in order to do that however they, they already had to be four students a faculty advisor and then they could name somebody as a spiritual advisor, which is, which is me. Um, in order to do that, they had to get kind of a, you know, a vote of confidence, you know, recommendation, if you will, to get on campus. And this Episcopalian priest provided that for me. Um, and so I started attending some of the, I like to call them the coexist meetings. We have them monthly. <laughs> I got to meet, meet with all these other clergy persons and such. And sure, you know. <clears throat> but uh, how often do they meet? The, they, they're supposed to meet once a month. Um, but you I, know, I even even if a, even if you don't have some campuses don't have that kind of a thing. But yeah. you know, it's I always tell people you got to find out what's available and what. Uh, uh, That's where, right. where, where do you have to? Where do you have to? Maybe not pay to play, but where do you have to kind of get in the sandbox a little bit? Uh, right. Um, so the Episcopalian priest was being helpful. He was, and he recognized that. Hey. In his words, you LCMS Lutherans are more brand loyal than the ELCA ones. Okay. And so he wanted, at least, he says, I have LCMS and Wisconsin Synod Lutherans who come, and I, I got no place to send them. Now with Miro here, I can do that. Okay. So he vouched for us. And we, had a, we just had a phenomenal student who wrote our, our Constitution and Bylaws and presented to the SGA and approved no no problem whatsoever. SGA being she, the Student Government student, Association. Yeah, Student Government Association. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, she was uh, on the dean's list, and she was a personal friend of the, the academic dean and stuff. It wasn't a big deal. But what became a problem, and I think what you wanted to talk about, yeah. was was um, a, about a, a year, less than a year, actually, as a semester after we arrived on, well, as we were official on campus, there's unfortunately some allegations of sexual harassment and misconduct um, female students just blowing up social media, both uh, you know publicly and privately, with the kind of the bulldogs private social media network, accusing certain guys, fraternity guys, other guys, about sexual misconduct and harassment, and you know even even uh, sadly, um, I don't think anyone was accused of rape, but right. close to. Sure. Um, well, the administration, you know, of course, they want to protect their students and they want to protect uh, their institution. As they should. And so they, they, they try uh, to kind of 
take all avenues of how do we address this, how do we kind of prevent this from happening. And one of the avenues they did is they had recently hired a new Title IX coordinator who came from an East Coast college. And um, now we've got a pushing. we've got a discuss. What is Title IX per se, and what yeah. does it pertain to? Not some people know what that is, but maybe well, not and, everybody and, does. Maybe correct me if I'm wrong, Marcus, but I think initially Title IX was supposed to be that that girls could play high school sports. That if there wasn't a corresponding sport for for girls, they could create one. Right, right, and, and, and yeah, and in college, on. it's it's you know in the and NCAA, the is, you know right. this is the, um, and this is the bane of many athletic departments in many ways because it's yeah, so we're gonna have equal treatment for both equal sexes. treatment for you know, both exactly. sexes. Nobody should be denied the opportunity to play athletic sports or have scholarships sure. or whatever based on their, on their sex or gender. I forget what word that they use, but it usually plays out on a college campus. Um, mostly what it, where it gets sticky is when a school is a football team because right. it's not the right. number of sports. You don't have to have 10 female sports to 10 men's sports. It's the number of scholarships. So, of course, if That's you have right. a football team, you know, I got out the University of Wyoming when I was there. Uh, yeah. Because we had football, we also we had women's tennis. Now, anybody who's been to Wyoming knows that why are you having tennis at 7,200 right. feet when it snows year-round? Yeah. Um, yeah. But you did because you had to have about five women's sports to match up with the men's sports. And so that's usually right. where it uh, comes into play. And we, well, University of Wyoming lost its baseball team because of that. Yeah. And so, so it, it usually has to do with uh, equality in terms of uh, sexual, right. sexes representation right. in terms of sports opportunities. Well, then carry that over to, as you mentioned, the scholarships. It, it matters because these institutions receive federal grant money. Oh, yeah. And so if they want to continue to receive those federal dollars, they have to make sure that they're dotting all their I's and crossing all their T's about all these statutes, and Title IX is one of those. Well, Title IX becomes this Trojan horse in the college community to just kind of weasel in any kind of um, gender identity politics that you want to deal with or, you know, um, any kind of what they're doing at Butler is they're trying to get completely not just co-ed dorms, but co-ed rooms. So that we have male students and because female students that's ro- such a good idea. <laughs> that's a, yeah, right. I mean, I who who? <laughs> so in the midst of that, we're trying to promote, you know, yeah, we, good sexual morality, yes, ethics, chase and lives. It's like, oh my god, give me a break. Uh, so, so one of but the issue that faced us was they they wanted to try to assist and protect the students, the females especially, of course. But um, so they came to the spiritual advisors with essentially a contract that said, um, and I'm summarizing now, but they, they said that we respect that you have certain obligations and oaths as a, as a clergy person um, that, and so forth. You know, basically, in our terminology, confessional seal, right? That a, sure. a pastor has taken an oath to never divulge sins confessed to him. Right. And, and, you know, confession and absolution is part of that word and sacrament ministry that takes place on campus. And for those that are listening that maybe haven't heard this language before, we basically say, you know, we'll go to jail, you know, yeah. rather than yeah. to divulge things that under the uh, under that uh, confessional contract, if you will, when we're hearing right. a confession. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I mean, so in the midst of Lent, as we heighten these, these disciplines, I mean, just remember that... Sure. Um, you can go into your pastor, confess anything. He can. He has promised before God and the congregation to never tell anyone anything. His ear is a tomb. 
Yeah, yeah. Your ear is the tomb, your mouth is the, the voice of Christ. So so they said we respect that, but then in the very next bullet point said, but there may be situations that you are required to report. <sighs> you know, and so they're trying to give with the one hand and take away with the other. Right. And I understand they're, they're approaching it from the victim standpoint of, if say, example, a girl comes and makes allegations or, or is concerned about a sexual act that was perpetrated against her, you know, that they now require us to say, hold on a second, before you say anything, do you, are you telling me in capacity as your pastor or as a, as a staff member of the university? Yeah, which is a total buzzkill when you're trying to help someone when you have to... Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so, but I, I took a little bit different stance uh, to try to protect that confessional seal. I said, I understand what you're trying to do, but what happens if the perpetrator were to come to me and confess, Pastor, I have done this. Please forgive me. Sure. And I said, how am I protecting him? How am I safeguarding my reputation and the fact that these students trust that they can come and do this, not to mention I've taken a solemn oath before God to never say these things. And they said, well, we, we understand that, but, you know, there are these circumstances and so forth. And, and I, I really pushed. I said, you can't give, you can't acknowledge that we have this oath and this commitment and then at the same time say, but you're required to say certain things if they come up. Yeah, and it's in the word may. I mean, it could have been, you know, I mean, right. who gets to decide exactly what, what it is and well, to what degree. So how we've we've got about uh, maybe about 4 minutes left here. Yeah. Um so yeah, how well, did how did this turn out? Cuz I remember you and I you know talked about this about a little over a year ago and we talked through this. Yeah. How how did it turn out and how is it doing now? Well, in the end, um, Synod's lawyers had advised me that I could sign it because the May was both their loophole and ours. Okay. And so what I did is I took a play out of, out of the playbook of CFW Walther, right? You know who that guy is? Absolutely. First, first Synod president and, for those and so of you forth. And, yeah. who have been to the IC, you can't be at KFUO without seeing his statue staring right at you. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, the... Uh, the, the anecdote is that Walther would sign certain contracts and deals, but he would always asterisk behind his signature and turn the page over and write his own provisos. Oh, interesting. And so I did that. I ended up signing the, the, the statement, but I, I wrote my own kind of provisions, basically outlining my concerns so that if something were to happen in the future, the university has this on file. And frankly, my the, the, the director of the, the Spiritual Life House told me, he said, Seth, I appreciate you doing that. In the end, it's not going to mean anything if they decide to prosecute you. Um, Which he probably said, wouldn't anyways, even regardless They wouldn't anyway, but he, but he did threaten me and say, if you don't sign this, we will be forced to take steps to remove you from campus. Right. So you had to ultimately, you had to sign the thing, but that doesn't that didn't keep you from adding your own commentary and reflection on the back that's right. um, so that it and could so, be a, a witness and a testimony to the state in which you signed it. That's right. And I made sure to, to inform all of my students about the circumstances, and I gave them copies of it, because I think it's important for them to realize that these things that happen behind closed doors with their, their pastors, their campus leaders, affect them. Sure. And affect how they can um, 
practice and exercise their, their freedom of speech and religion on their campuses. So in the end, uh, has this been a big deal? It's been a year, year and a half. No, no. They, uh, I, I think they kind of overreacted, did all these things, filed all these papers, and then nothing has come of it, you know. You know, it seems to be how we do everything these days. There's got to be a law. There's got to be a law. There's got to be a law. That's right. And, uh, well, kudos to you for for your faithfulness, uh, not only in terms of uh, uh, struggling with this, because this was an important conscious issue. You came to me, and I was like, I don't know. And uh, (laughs) the Senate lawyers, they were really helpful. I mean, um, kudos to our Senate lawyers for being on top of these things, too. And it's always good to know that uh, other people, you know, you never know if a situation like that, for those of you that work in campus ministry, comes up on campus, you aren't sure what to do or whether yep. you should sign something. Uh, don't yep. be afraid to, to call the, the Synod's 888 number and, or contact me and I'll get you in touch with people. Uh, and, 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 I mean, we have tremendous help uh, for those yeah. that run into yeah. these kinds of situations. And I suppose that was a great learning experience for you and your students, huh? It was wonderful for us, and in fact, I even was able to make contact with the uh, ADF, Alliance for Defending Freedom, and um, they said, yeah, certain other things like this are building up around other campuses around the country, and, you know, it might come to a head someday. It's not really on the burner right now. Right. And ADF, uh, you can learn more. They they are absolutely fantastic. You can, I think it's ADFlegal.com or .org, one of the two, Alliance Defending Freedom. They are absolutely fantastic. And They'll even come to your campus and speak. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so. we had one of their speakers at our Liberty Conference, and uh, he right. was... And speaking of which, I'm going to have you on, yeah. if you're willing to come back next week, and I'm going to have you on to talk about uh, something that you addressed. Uh, what? In real quick, what was the title of your sectional at, uh, at the Liberty Conference, and uh, so we can kind of tease people for the next show? Sure, sure. The title was Away with the Atheists, Learning Civil Disobedience from the Martyrs. Excellent. Well, we will have you on next week, and thank you for your faithfulness. Well, that's all we have time for here in the Student Union. Hey, it's middle of Holy Week. You got the Tradeum coming up. Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, Easter Sunday. College students, college is tough. You need Jesus, we'll help.